Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a humble gardener from the Shire being swept along on a great adventure. Fortunately, we have leading this adventure two, yes, two amazing individuals. One is our fearless leader, the last of the Dunedine Rangers, the founder of Vanguard Tactics and my good friend and 40K mentor. He's the Aragorn son of Arathorn to my Samwise Gamgee, Mr. Stephen Box. And joining Steve today is a fellow adventurer and lover of food. He's the sigilite of the Frontline Gaming Network and the FLG's chief of breakfast cereals, as well as a very good friend of both mine and Steve's. He's the Frodo Baggins of this proud fellowship, Mr. Kicker Kolosny. In this episode, Steve and Kicker are going to sit down and talk sportsmanship, Frontline Gaming events, and 10th edition. I'm going to sit back and let them do the talking, but I'll be back at the end. So with that, I'll turn it over to them. Okay, so no Dave today. It's just you and I, Kicker. So again, oh, wow. Kicker, thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> it is always an honor to talk to you, man. Uh, happy to be here. No, honestly. So obviously, as most people know, Kicker, you are just so involved with frontline gaming, the events, but I would love you to just introduce yourself a little bit, maybe some of the roles that you have at frontline gaming. Um, and then we can kind of, I think, have an incredible conversation today around the whole philosophy of sportsmanship and fair play and how as event organizers, um, as promoters of the game, how do we steer this ship to a much more professional, competitive, less toxic and more just really enriching experience to play at a tournament. So um, yeah, Kicker, who are you? <laughs> well, yeah, guys. Well, my name is Kicker. I'm the event manager for Frontline Gaming. We do host quite a quite a few events. the the big The big one, LVO, but we do events across the country, uh, the US country. Sorry, we haven't done anything in the UK yet, but we have friends over there. But yeah, so we do do quite a few uh, events. My role is the event manager, but it's involving way more than just making sure there's toilet paper in the bathrooms. It's also making sure that we have good venues, our players are happy, as well as the community is is happy. Um, and that's, I guess, why we're here today. Is how can we continue to put on events? That um, that are what the community needs and wants, and 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 part of that, I guess, is is sportsmanship. You know, we're we're fortunate that the the tabletop gaming industry, the tabletop war game, specifically forty k that we all know and love, is is in such a wonderful place. But it can definitely be better. Um, and and some of those things that 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 I've noticed have been getting better and better and better. Like we have less and less issues at each event, but there's still issues. And and as this game grows and more people want to get into it, we want to make sure it's 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 ideal. It's exactly what we want it to be. Box, I mean, you've been at so many events, both ours and other people's events. Have you noticed the events getting better in terms of less, I don't know, let's just call it what it is, less drama? Yeah, definitely. I think a few things have happened. Um, I remember when I first came onto the scene, I was like, what is this? You were kind of, if you wanted to go to a tournament, people kind of looked at you funny. They straight away were like, yeah. oh, that's cheesy or people were win at all cost. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> the mindset was that you had to be win at all cost. You had to mm-hmm. use gotcha moments to succeed. You had to be uh, very cagey with what you said and not maybe give the whole truth. And I think that was very much. And I think I came into this like I'm not. I'm not standing for this. This is not how I yeah. play the game. And, and yeah, in my yeah. experience, it may be like maybe a bit bullshit, a bit arrogant of me. I don't know. But you call it what you want. But I came in like a bull in a china shop when I launched vanguard tactics i was like no i'm not standing for this because i think it could be so much more and i think over the years everybody collectively has strived to be better and we're not there yet 
but certainly um, there are a lot less issues that I find myself in. Um, okay, yeah, I've had a pretty significant issue this year with a, with an individual at the tabletop. There was a, an entire documentary done on that. Um, you know, with not the video that we intended to make, but it was the the video we ended up with due to the game that this was filmed. But um, and I think I highlighted quite a few of those different aspects, and that's on Dicebreakers. If people want to check that out, Dicebreakers YouTube channel, they can watch that video. But um, yeah, from what I've seen, for every single time I've been to your events, I had an incredible experience at BAO. Oh my god, what a wonderful experience BAO was last year awesome. when I came out. Um, the LVO was, I always have a great time meeting so many people and at LVO, my, my sort of focus is more around, you know, I suppose being in the community, running the workshops and the playing for me is like a tertiary kind of thing. Um, The LVO is a wonderful tournament, but it's so much more than that. You have, you know, (laughs) thousands and thousands of players from around the world coming to, you know, hang out for a weekend. So, so yeah. And, And then of course you were at Texas just recently. Yeah, and at the Lone Star Open, and obviously this event. I mean, there's a little bit of controversy around my playing at, uh, or lack of at the Lone yeah, Star yeah, yeah. Open, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But we'll have um, to touch on that. Yeah, yeah, we have to. I think you know, and that's that event certainly didn't go how I originally planned in my head, but it is what happened. But what I saw was a room of you know, because I got all weekend to walk around and I actually had a great time just chatting to people, yeah. hanging out, you know, shaking hands, smiling, you know, loads of smiling faces. Yeah, yeah. People were in a situation where they wanted to discuss the rules. Hey Steve, can you help us out with this rules query? It wasn't, oh, my opponent thinks the rules played like this. And I think, you know, there was a lot less hostility and more about mm-hmm. collaboration in order for, for the players to find the truth. And I think that's yeah. so just really wholesome and i think you could just i got that environment off lone star and i want to come back the competitive 40k podcast is proudly supported by the outpost your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff after visiting the outpost i was taken aback by the whole host of products available in store and online with awesome discounts gaming tables and a huge range of terrain for different game systems the outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in store. Um, I absolutely want to come back to Lone Star next year. And I can't say it's only frontline gaming. I mean, it's a community as a whole doing this. And, and I, I don't feel comfortable speaking for other events, but for frontline gaming events, uh, I've made it my mission since I've taken this, this position to try to really cultivate exactly what you're saying, to change the community from still being competitive but being also a, a friendly, welcoming, uh, sportsmanship-based uh, event every time you come, whether you're going to the BAO or the LSO or the ACO or Cherokee or, or Vegas, I want it to be an experience that you enjoy while still uh, competitive. And there's been a lot of little things we've done. You know, we really try to put people on pillars that are sportsmen, you know, like, like yourself, you know, and, and the team XBZ on the West Coast, these, these, these organizations that are really uh, role models that other people should follow. And also our judges, we're trying to have our judges be both ambassadors to the hobby to help welcome newer players, but also to try to like, you know, gently encourage players that are getting a little, um, let's just call it toxic to, to maybe turn themselves off a little bit. So I'm really happy that our, at our events, we've seen the community get better and better and better. And now we're at this beautiful place where we have so few issues, you know, from the first time I did my first frontline gaming as a manager to where we are now, it's just like, wow, things have gotten almost like in a dreamlike environment. We have more issues 
with like far smaller game systems. Like we'll have more issues with like a song of ice and fire than we do with the thousand people showing up for 40 K, which is just mind boggling. The 40 K community really is in a good spot and it's only getting better. Yeah. So I think obviously we know it's better, but it's still not where yeah. I think either of us want it. Yeah. Right. So in regards to then, you know, your philosophy in, uh, the, in, and in the context of 40 K, obviously we know frontline run yeah. other events, which is great. But in the in the context of 40k, what does the term sportsmanship mean to you? You know, sportsmanship means making sure both you know yourself and your opponent are walking away from the table smiling. I mean, that's 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 what it means to me, right? I want it to be an, an experience. You're you're committing three hours, two and a half hours, to three, two and a half to three hours of your time engaged with another human being face to face. You're not anonymous through a computer. Let's let's make that a really really enjoyable experience for both parties. You can win, you can lose, you can be as competitive as you want. But let's make it an experience that both people truly, truly enjoy, especially at our events where people coming in from literally around the world to be there. I, I want to make sure that everyone's having a good time. What about you, though? You are the sportsmanship king, though. What is, what is it? This is, this is your primary uh, goal. What, I mean, when you think of Stephen Box, when you think of Vanguard Tactics, you think of sportsmanship and fair play. What is your um, def- definition of sportsmanship? For me, it's around being a fantastic opponent. Um, and when you're a fantastic mm-hmm. opponent, you are not intentionally and doing your utmost to non-intentionally adhere to all the rules as well. So what I mean by that is yeah. you're not intentionally trying to create an unfair advantage and you're doing everything in your power possible before you go to that event to ensure you play your rules correctly. So for example, yeah. for me, being a great sport is not meta chasing because when you meta chase, you'll more than likely get your rules wrong because you won't be as practiced with that army. Yeah. So there Good are point. things that you could have done in the lead up to actually ensure that you get your rules correct more often than not so that you're willing to, um, you know, put the time in, in the effort because you're doing that for your opponent, not just for you. You're doing that for that quality assurance. So I think for me, sportsmanship is around creating a fair balanced game where both players feel like they can compete. And I don't think you can be competitive if one player is not being enabled to actually compete properly by, you know, essentially cheating. So for me, that's really the, the, the context there of sportsmanship. And I think often, um, you know, this kind of play by intent has been, you know, termed quite a lot. And I actually think now, to some extent, there are people using that to their advantage and now taking ah. it out of the realm of sportsmanship and now placing it in a way in which is a get out of jail free card for them when they make mistakes. And when you're a good sport, But most of it is about, for me, taking ownership. You need to be number one, what did I do wrong? Could I have done something different? Could I have done something better? How is this my fault? You must take ownership if you're going to be a good sport. So if you get a rule wrong, put your hand up. If you've made a really bad error, hey, judge, I've really got this wrong and I apologize. There's no way I should win this game because I've got this wrong. I've created an unfair advantage for my opponent. I need to withdraw. I need to take ownership in some sort of way of for what's happened. How can I remedy this situation that we find ourselves in? Because when it's, oh, it's my intent to do it, to have done this, but without declaring that now you've seen more information, you're now gaining a very, very unfair advantage. And also, which I think is worse, putting it on your opponent to be what we, and I'm going to use this in quotation marks to to be a good sport Mm -hmm. being a good sport is not letting your opponent 
I think that's what we think. Oh, you're a great sport because they let you have loads of go backs. Yeah, they right? let you tr- rampage right over them. Yeah, ro- steamroll them. Yeah, yeah. That's not being a good sport. That's yeah. what that is. Is not having boundaries and yeah. your opponent. This is like relationship you- advice, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when you've got if your opponent ever puts you in a position which you will feel uncomfortable with because they are asking for something in which is you know, I think it's unsporting when you say, oh, do you mind if I go back a turn or go back a phase or, oh, I forgot to do this. Instead go, I've forgotten to do this, but let's move on. And then if your opponent says to you, hey, hey, look, don't worry about it. There's nothing I could have done. Please go back in, you know, uh, cleanse that objective. I couldn't have done anything about it. Of course, you would have meant to have cleansed that objective, for example. You put a unit over there, they're on it, they didn't do anything else, you just didn't say it to me at the time. Of course, please cleanse that objective. That is then up to your opponent to understand, could they have done something? Has my opponent gained any unfair advantage from their lack of uh, verbally declaring their intent or what they want to do? Then, hey, that's fine. But you're not saying, oh, do you mind if I do this? Do you mind if I do that? Because actually now you're yeah. put- Don't put the onus on your opponent. Yeah, that's that's not yes. not appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You so know, I think yeah. we we should we should explore what you said uh the term ownership, right? Ownership. Um we now have a a community that is for the most part have some really good social norms that have that have established where people are owning up, right? We see this all the time now where if you do, as opposed to the past, as opposed to seventh edition, early eighth, now we're in this position where, yes, people are taking ownership. And that's where you see the, the real sportsmen you know, step up. And, and you're seeing it more and more as, as, as the social norm, the expectations that are at least frontline gaming events and probably many of the events you go to, where if you are a top level player and you make a mistake, you want to own up to it. And we'll see top players pull themselves out of events because they realize they submitted a list that was incorrect and they played several rounds of it. We've seen it. I don't want to name names, but if you've seen it, some events, some of the best players in the world have gone all the way to the finals of the round and they realize, oh, wow, I misplayed a rule or I have a bad list. I will back myself out despite me potentially of winning this entire tournament. That is amazing that we have a, a, a social expectation, a social norm that is like that. What happens is when we have people that don't do that and they don't take ownership. And that's when you have these controversies, these issues, these headaches. Uh, do we want to explore a little bit what happened in Texas? Should we go into that as an example or no? I mean, hundred percent. Yeah. Because I think, okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion personally anyway, that I would love for us to be more transparent about everything because I feel like a lot of witch hunts are created because of a lack of Mm -hmm. transparency, because when, you know, bringing this back to a sporting background, um, if I was playing hockey or whatever sport it was, somebody does a foul, you see the referee, give them the yellow card, you see the player yeah. walk in the sin bin, they have their timeout, you get the penalty kick, you score the goal, you gain the equilibrium is now back in balance, right? Yeah. Foul yeah. equals outcome. Yeah. Action yeah. result. Whereas what's happening at the moment, I think, to a larger degree, we're seeing these actions, we're not seeing the results. And therefore, the community as a whole, to some degree, take it upon themselves to act like vigilantes, to uh, name these people. Those wish hunts, yeah. 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 And it becomes a toxic conversation rather than there was an issue, it was dealt with. And then when that becomes the norm, people won't care. 
People yeah. know there's a system in place. They know they can rely on the infrastructure and the systems built by the events team, the organizers. So yeah, I would love for us to be more transparent about absolutely everything. So yeah, I think we should go into it. We don't need to name any names. Okay, no names, yeah. Examples are you know important. But the, but the rest we can be pretty uncensored and loose. We just won't go specific names. But, yeah. but, in, but in general, guys, uh, and I should preface everything, with frontline gaming, we really do take our events seriously. We've been running large events for eleven years. You know, it's 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 what it's very important to us. You're the we run some of the largest ones in the world. You are the OGs <laughs> yeah, right? at events. <laughs> we are the OGs. It is a big deal for us, and we want to run a competitive event and know that that the um, the sanctity of that event is is maintained, which means that you know we can't let let cheaters get through. My mindset, for for better or worse, is that I I don't believe in public hangings. I don't believe in public shamings. You know. When we have a an issue, which are rare, but when we have an issue, we try to handle it uh, and move on. We don't broadcast what happened. Now that is purely because we don't want to have more, you know, ripple effects of the communities becoming toxic. We don't want to bring down the community by spotlighting or focusing on something negative that happened. Is that is the minority? But after talking with 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 you a little bit right now and having had some talks earlier this week, I'm realizing maybe we're keeping that. Those repercussions too close. Maybe we're keeping those those penalties we 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 do too close to our chest, and not by not sharing them, people don't think things are done, and that's when this this witch hunt or this public outcry goes down, and then people start to to hunt out uh, hunt down the bad apples and create all sorts of uh, drama, even though the the problem is basically non-issue and was resolved um, on our end. So um, in Texas, in Texas, we had an event. You were there. We uh, many people were there. It was a, it was a wonderful event. We had a player that went all the way to his final round uh, undefeated and. Only after that, only after he won that round, uh, before you know the the end of the event, but after that round had completed, it was determined that uh, the list was incorrect, and he played a rule all six rounds that was unfair, that was not correct. Um, now, at the end of the day, some people thought it was with intent; he was playing things intentfully incorrect. Uh, other people, it doesn't make a difference what people thought. At the end of the day, he was playing a rule incorrectly and he had a list incorrectly. This player consistently focused on saying, no, I wasn't cheating. I played a rule incorrectly, but I wasn't cheating. But he didn't realize that, you know, maybe he should, instead of defending himself from that point, just say, oh, maybe I did play unfairly. And he needed to pull himself out of the event. Like I did play unfairly. I should not win this event. It doesn't make a difference if you did it because you knew you were playing unfairly. He didn't because you were cheating or not. The point is, dude, you won an event with a broken list or an unfair list and you won playing rules unfairly. So um, at that point, the social norms of our community, which is wonderful, kind of dictate that you pull yourself out. And this player, you know, was removed from the event. His score does not count. And he will be penalized for the next 12 months at, at our events. We can't control what people do at other events, but at our events, he is penalized. And this opens up a whole nother discussion box, which I know it's, it's, it's near and dear to your heart. And, and, and maybe this is an opportunity to, to explore this. We have a, a player that misplayed something at our event. Now, he does have a, a history, a reputation. How do we nip this you know, in the butt? How do we prevent this from continuing at other events? Do we need to have a, a, a tracking system? You know, do, what if this guy goes to LVO? Because don't forget, it's not that he's just messing up his opponent's uh, games because all of a sudden now they're losing unfairly, but also because of the way our tournament structure is, because he won, other people lost. Like The entire event is kind of skewed now. It's kind of screwed up because this one player made it all the way to six runs undefeated, while many of his opponents could have also have made it. And it changes all the pairings and stuff. It becomes a real mess. So what is the solution? How do we ensure that this doesn't happen in the future? Obviously, we, we, we corrected this 
on our end, but do we need to have some sort of a, a formal tournament-wide system to monitor this situation? I think we need to consider the, the motivations behind why we play this game. And there's going to be many, many reasons for many different people. And I, that's the beauty of it, right? We're, we're different, you know, different folks and everything is going to appeal to us in a different way. We might want to take yeah. our most thematic guard list no matter how we do, we don't care. We're running, you know, full cat. You said guard. Are you just targeting me now? Because I'm running a rough you. riders and melee yes. guard. You're targeting me. All right, all right. I'm targeting you here. So, but hey, if your motivation is to go and play six different people that you don't normally play, and you know, share a drink with each one of them, cool. Do you know what? You're probably not going to intentionally cheat. And if you were found to be cheating yeah. unintentionally, where you didn't mean to, I'm sure you'd be like, hey, I'm so sorry. Uh, I still want to play in this event, uh, but yeah. I'm happy to have my scores forfeit because my goal was to come and play six games of 40k. Your motivation is to play six rounds, right? Cool. We get yeah. that. So now we need to go a little bit deeper into the motivation of people that they're trying to win something. They're trying to win either uh, intrinsic reward, yep, so to make them feel good themselves that they beat a certain player or they didn't, whatever. Extrinsic. Okay. So what was the prize money? What was the the gravitas when they yeah. go back to their local club. Oh yeah, I won this event. Or, you know, is it ITC points that they're trying to get? Is it a golden ticket? Yeah. Whatever. I don't know if they're actually gold or not, but otherwise, um, my <laughs> point is what is the thing that these people are trying and motivate them for? Right. Um, so, okay. Now if it is the extrinsic, and I think it's easier to f- focus on that, the golden tickets, the ITC points, the qualifications, the kudos, the, reputation or whatever then all of a sudden if we are transparent if people want the results they want the points they want the external reward i feel like personally i would love to see an official code of conduct at the start of the season that every player must sign if they want the following outcomes to be yeah. You know, they want the ITC points. They want to go to a ranked tournament where they could win and so yeah. on and so forth. I would love to see a code of conduct which lays out what will happen if they don't abide by that code of conduct. The Competitive 4K podcast is supported by Colorforge. I found Colorforge 18 months ago and I was blown away by the quality of the product. I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and have always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to Citadel base color, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products. You said something that was amazing. I have to interrupt you. You said something that I, that I, I wrote a note down because I think this is something that I really want to in, in, invest in, which was... If you get a yellow card and you're taking this game seriously, you're trying to win this thing, that yellow card should probably prevent you from possibly winning that, you 100%. know, award that works. Right. I mean, I'm, we, you and I recorded a podcast not too long ago and it, it never came out. Yeah. We had some technical issues with it, but I think a point yeah. that I raised back then, and I'd love to say now is that I personally do not think that if you are given a yellow card, you should be in any contention for a shadow round, a top eight whatever it is, whatever that yeah. cutoff is, it's so difficult to actually get a yellow card. You have to be pretty, yeah. uh, from what I've seen anyway, um, you know, it's difficult, right? 
it's not like we're it's handing these yeah. we're not handing these out like candy or sweets wherever yeah. you are whichever side of the pond but <laughs> you, candy, yeah. if you are given a yellow card hey you've played your six rounds you're done okay wherever that means you're in the standing and we would love for you to take the ownership and withdraw yourself from that okay because yeah. there could even be hey if you get a yellow card you can continue playing those rounds but none of your scores will count okay so yeah. If if you're pushed to the point where you've given somebody a bad game, because here's the thing that I absolutely detest for a couple of reasons. A, it goes against everything that I try and stand for, which is just to keep people playing the game. Yeah. So if somebody comes along who's a bad actor and they get away with doing shady things in a game to somebody that is going to the tournament for the first time, that player may never come to a tournament again. Exactly. Exactly. And they're not taking responsibility for their action. They've given them a really hostile, horrible game. And they're now walking away with a really terrible taste in their mouth. They might just leave the event from then on. Yeah. Or it's going to sour the rest of their next games. We've lost what could be an amazing community member. You know, I've lost somebody that might come on my courses. You've lost someone that's yeah. going to come back to your events. Games Workshop have lost somebody that's going to buy their models. And buy together models, we've yeah. yeah, and we've lost somebody that could have, we could have enjoyed the hobby with. We've all yeah. been, we've all had that taken away from us because they were given a bad experience by a bad actor. Now, if people know things are public, things are transparent, their cards are tracked, there's serious repercussions if you get a yellow card because a lot of these players will go to six, seven super majors. They'll go to other GTs. They'll go to other RTTs. Yeah. Hey, what's a yellow card in the grand scheme of things? Take it, yeah. accept it, be responsible, have your score zeroed and work on becoming a better player for that next tournament. Yeah. But it's this kind of constant fight through the friction of trying to get away with it, trying to push the boundaries. And I think if we have a much more tougher stance of, look, this is the procedure. You've signed your code of conduct. If you continue, it's a red and a red now will be a three, four month, five month ban, whatever that kind of looks like. I, yeah. You know, I don't have all the answers right now, but um, I would love to see things become a lot more transparent because if we are giving people, yeah. if we're tracking people's emails, points and names, why can't we track cards? I don't think that comes under GDPR or any other reason of data yeah. protection in my mind. Um, <laughs> Cause we're already tracking the, and we're a small like enough community. Name. Everyone knows, right? It's a small enough community at this point that, you know, it, it, it may not be tracked officially, but people know we can't frontline gaming can only obviously impact our own events. We can't impact or tell other event owners, uh, event runners to do what they want, but at least our own events. I mean, if somebody has a bad um, situation at, 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 in Texas, I mean, we can control what happens at B, uh, SoCal or BAO or LVO, you, you know, say you, I know you can't tell other events what to do, but right. here's the thing frontline gaming have, and to some extent may always will be. And I really hope always will be, <laughs> have always been the kind of real shining light of, for others to follow. Oh, you know, thanks, we, man. We, yeah. we look back at 8th edition where I was playing the ITC mission pack. We look, you know, even Games Workshop follow suit. They understand the point yeah. of like, that's how we had ended up with secondary objectives, right? It's, it's not a, yeah. the hold more aspect of the mission play. We've seen Frontline time and time again lead the way and most of the other community has followed. Like, for example, the LGT and the UK, uh, UKTC do a great job, right? Zach does incredible things. Uh, I know, obviously, Zach's great friends of FLG. 
And we yeah. can see these really great, uh, like positive events that are just pushing the way forward. And then it becomes the norm because the smaller GTs, it's harder to reinvent the wheel. It's much easier to go, I wonder what frontline do. I wonder what, what does frontline and, and do? That's, that's, you know, that's fair. I mean, literally after Texas, because it's a new edition, I had probably 10 different large events, large events, you know, two day GT, large events, reach out to us saying, Hey, what were your rulings on this? Or can I see your packet that you use for Texas? Cause we want to incorporate that frontline gaming is of the community by the community for the community. Like that, that is, so we do really try hard to represent what the community wants. And that's why I love conversations like this so that we can figure out what, what you Stephen box from the UK want, what your, your, what your students want, what our players want to continue making events and, 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 and I guess a circuit of tournaments that, that meets the needs of the, of the community. So yeah, I, I guess you're right. We can't force other people to follow suit, but you're right. Luckily, I guess many people do follow suit because of, because of, you know, the, the, the tight shit we run. Um, so, so, so yeah, I, I, I guess that, you know, let's have this conversation. Let's see what your audience, which, which you know, maybe hop, I'll have a conversation with your students and, and, and we, your, your audience here, and maybe we can figure out what do people want? What do, what do people yeah. want? What, and, and what is that repercussion, right? Do we ban people? Do we just give them another warning? Do we prevent them from winning, but they can still attend events? Things need to be figured out pretty precisely, but frontline gaming is like I said, of the community, like, what do you guys want? And we'll make it happen. Yeah. And also we're talking about something here that let's be honest, we're not inventing anything new. Yellow and red cards have been around for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. um, it's not like we're talking about a completely novel concept. Like we're some yeah. sort of unique snowflake. <laughs> we can look at yeah, what yeah, other yeah. professional setups do. We can take inspiration. We can, you know, take what's great and leave behind what we don't need. Um, and we can evolve and be better. And I think, um, I think there's a lot we can still do. So anyway, I've got some more questions for you because I think we're, we're yeah, these are great conversations because I think All right. what I want to know more about, and obviously if I will caveat this, if we were to make significant changes, it would also need a significant change of mindset from the player base because this stuff yeah. that we're talking about, taking the game to a more professional standard would incur costs. It would need more administration fees. It would need yeah. a... Um, you know, and let's be honest, playing in 40k is pretty cheap in terms of tournaments, right? I don't have to pay like fees to an organization like I did when I played volleyball or hockey. I had to pay my yeah. subs. I had to pay my national governing body fee. I had to pay match day fees. I had to pay my training fees. There was a lot of different things that you have to support. With us, you've got your, once you've got your army and you've bought your event ticket, that's about it, right? And the event ticket, like at BAO, people spent more on their parking than they did on their event ticket to play. Like yeah. our tickets are not exactly the most expensive part of the, uh, the, no. the, the outing. But I, I would easily encourage a membership scheme. If I want to play in the ITC ah, okay. league or whatever, hey, I'm going to pay my fee, right? But for that fee, I get the code of conduct. I know the processes. And that would be something I would happily pay because I know in the long run, I'm going to have a better experience. So I would sort of, yeah. you know, preface that and I would love people to just think about that as well. So anyway, in regards to like, we, we sort of said about creating like a positive environment, like, so what sort of steps can you, um, create in regards to, I think this is a, is an event owner or event organizer, what sort of positive yeah. steps can people take to really, I suppose, like create a really respectful gaming environment at an event? What can you do as an event organizer? So, so, okay. Yeah. 
you know, you and I both play 40K. Your audience probably plays primarily 40K. Um, but there's really cool stuff in other game systems. And I come from, for lack of a better word, the privileged position where, you know, at Frontline Gaming you know, events, we have quite a few different game systems and other game systems have different communities. And it will blow your mind at how very different each community is for different game systems. X-Wing's community is like they're playing chess. They're not there to smile and talk. They're, fo- they're laser focused. Then you see the Age of Sigmar guys, which are there to drink first, play later, right? Like it's a very different mentality. And they're, they're awesome. Like I love it. They're, they're, the, the Age of Sigmar guys are the life of the party. So there's different social norms based off the game system. One of the things that I've been tried to incorporate, and as of this year, and we're starting to roll out at more of our own events, which hopefully other TOs will start to uh, adopt, is, is seeing what the Star Wars Legion community has done. Where before every tournament, no matter how big or how small, they always have a, uh, for lack of a better word, a meeting with all, between the head judge and all the players. It's a big group meeting where it sets the tones and the expectation for the entire weekend. So, hey guys, we're going to have a fun time here. We're going to, you know, we're going to have active judging or passive judging, whatever it is, but sportsmanship is always focused. And you get this really cool, I guess, attitude that is formed before even the first dice is rolled. So that primes people going into that tournament of, hey, this is going to be a fun weekend and we're going to be focusing on having like sportsmanship here at the top. Well, well, traditionally a lot of 4K events, it's like, okay, let's go and roll dice. Let's like round one starts, let's go, you know, maybe paint judging and then round one starts. And we really want to start embracing that. We started, ha- we already have at Texas, and we're going to try and roll it out more and more. Where we had this conversation with all the players, uh, you know, hey, this is the this is the expectation and and the vibe of this event. This is how we're going to roll it. Um, so that's that's already the first thing. I'm sure you have some good ideas, though, right, man? No, I think you know that's amazing, right? You're starting with the why. It's a way of yeah. connecting to every single person the deep reason why they play this game, why they're involved in the community, and why. They want to maintain that because when that's taken yeah. away, they're going to lose a lot. They're going to lose their identity. They're going to lose their friendships. They're going to lose their community. Um, if they don't have that same level of respect for everybody else that they also want shown to them. So I think that's, yeah, I think, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Like I know at LVO, there are so many judges and it's great to see. Yeah. They are clearly represented. Um, it's very easy to get a judge. I've, I've often found, um, I, obviously I can't speak for all the different tables, but for myself, every time <laughs> I've needed a judge, they're probably like, oh, Steve again, here we go. We have but, a lot of judges. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- that's great. It's, it's great to see that enthusiasm. Um, and I think more tournaments could do better by putting their hand in their pocket and going, okay, maybe we should double, triple our referee stance. Are we putting the procedures in place to ensure that our referees are well-trained, well-versed, they understand the difference between intent and unintentional, uh, you know, mm-hmm. fair play. They're very well, well-versed on the rules, but then with that, not be afraid to charge more for tickets or to help yeah. the community understand this is the type of event that you're going to get from us. Yeah. Let's, let's explore the judges because this is another really good point because judges, you know, are critical to all events. Now, I am not a judge. I want to be clear. I am, I, I, I am uh, I'm the guy standing at the registration desk, not roaming the halls, making rulings or calls. But the judges are something that I try to oversee and make sure that all of our events in which I hope to see at more events, the judges are, um, are not just guys that know the rules. They're the guys that know how to be judges. And like you said, that's a, that's a different skill set than just knowing the rules. You have to be uh, an ambassador first. At least at our events, judges need to be ambassadors first. There's plenty of new players there that I want 
our judges to approach them in a, in a proper way. Judges like the pre-game conversation we were talking about, the pre-event conversation. Judges help set the tone. If a judge approaches, you know, a potentially um, heated debate between two players, and they add fuel to that fire, it's only going to make it worse. You have to be able to approach it in a, in a way that is going to hopefully douse the flame, answer the questions, and have the game continue to play in, in a proper uh, a proper way. So judges, not only number of judges, but those judges and their skill sets is, is, is critical. And then t- explaining to your judges, you're, you're, the way I always tell them is you're an ambassador first. Before you're a judge, you're an ambassador to the community and to the hobby first. After that, you do your, judge, your job as a judge and make sure you, you handle the community well. What, out of curiosity, what do you think is the pr- appropriate ratio of of player to judge? <laughs> judge, do you, I mean, do you have a particular number? That, I mean, I know you'd like one to one if we could, but that's not realistic, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I think let's go pie in the sky, right? I'd love a judge per table. I'd love that. But anyway, mm. we, you know, there's yeah. there's nothing wrong with having aspirations of where we would love to see things. Yeah. Uh, without aspirations, I don't think we really evolve. Um, so yeah. sometimes you do got to dream a little bit big, but I think, I think what's a reasonable level of judging is how long is somebody waiting with their hand up to get a judge over ah, to their table? Cool. So we can judge it. We can judge it based on um, obviously the start of an edition. Hey, there's gonna be a lot of questions, right? A lot yeah. of questions. <laughs> yeah. So do you know yeah, what? Yeah, For yeah. the first few events, get some more judges in. Be respectful to yeah. your clientele because this is what I think TOs and tournament orgs need to understand. If you appreciate your attendees, then they will come back. If you show them a good time, lose a little bit of money on the front end, gain money on the back end. And I'm literally yeah. talking to a, you know, you've got to play the long game here. If you provide yeah, a terrible no, experience, people aren't going to come back. So if somebody's yeah. waiting for 10 minutes to get a ref calling, um, that's not <laughs> great because that environment that at the table is not really, it's only going to get worse during that 10 minutes. Yeah. It's going to become both Anxiety, players. Anxiety, yeah. Exactly. Impatient. So I think what's realistic, probably three minutes, right? If yeah. we had like the three you minutes. Know, this, is, this is so good. I've, I've never thought about using time as a metric to determine the number of judges. I usually number of players to determine the ratio, you know, 50 players, one judge, something to that extent. But I realized that one of my jobs is to make sure the food lines go efficiently at our events. And I literally time, how long does it take somebody to go from the back of the line to get their food? I time that so that I know, oh, we need to get more cashiers. I need to do the exact same thing here with, with judges. How long does it take somebody to get a judge? And if it's over three minutes, that's not, I mean, honestly, it shouldn't be more than a minute and a half, you know, because yeah. they're on the clock. People are playing. Sorry, that's my toddler in the background. I hope you don't mind. He is three years old and full of piss and vinegar. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, getting back, you know, is three minutes acceptable? It is, because I think we could build that into the round time. On average, okay. maybe a table could have a two ref calls, right? That take up to three minutes. Yeah. If the gold, if the golden standard's a minute and a half, that's fine. Then they could potentially call the judge over four times, right? Um, yeah. And I think if players, again, we could do a few things differently. By signing the code of conduct, it could be very, very clear that you need all of the paperwork at hand. Relying on 3G or Wi-Fi is not acceptable. Um, you know, I yeah. remember playing at BAO, right? And I played against this individual. I won't name their name. And I was very well-versed with an FAQ of a certain army. Very well-versed. And at the table, my opponent, I think I was like, I was very, very late in the rounds. This player should have known better. And um, I said to them, hey, I don't think you can do that, what you're about to do, because it's been FAQ'd. No, no, my codex says this. I said, I, 
I understand your codec says that, but it's, I think it's been FAQ'd. Could we check it? And it was like, I was the bad guy for asking to see an FAQ. It was, oh, my Wi-Fi is terrible. And I'm thinking, it's not really my problem because I know it's changed. I know it's changed, yeah. but I was being like, hey, you know, <laughs> I think it's changed. Anyway, so it turns out it's been changed. So this player had been playing their previous X amount of games completely wrong and it, you know, gained a huge unfair advantage, right? Yeah, of course. So, hey, if you're turning up to a tournament, any FAQs and erratas, print them off. It takes two minutes to do that, come prepared, right? Because then the ownership then is on the players. So we can see the rules clearly. So therefore there is less time that we need to argue. Things are simpler and cleaner. And yeah, Games Workshop, look guys, you know, there's things that they can do better. Like we could, they could write cleaner rules that require less FAQs and erratas and the rest of it. But, and I'm not talking about balance. That's a completely different conversation altogether. I'm on about like a wording of a particular thing. Okay. Um, but I also think to some extent, um, if you're a TO or a tournament organizer, we need to sometimes have a stance on a rule or an interpretation. And I think yeah. it's okay for that to be different to what actually maybe the Games Workshop events team are doing. Okay. Because the reason why I would like that to happen is because I'd rather a ruling one way or another, regardless. Yeah. For th- so for this event, hey, maybe the ruling is this until we get a fill in. Uh, but, but, you know, before yeah. as a tournament, we get more information. How do we feel as judges, as a collective, as ambassadors for the game, as a group of people that want the fairest outcome for all? What's our consensus? Let they, let's make that really clear with a fantastic rules pack. That's really easy. And I know you guys do a great thing, which not many events do, is you have your form where people can submit their questions before list submission. Um, it's, it's great. It's, it's yeah. really awesome. I know and that it's publicly shared. So everyone yeah. knows what our stance is at that event. Yeah. You know, so I think all that type of stuff is great. Um, so anyway, we've got, I think we've got, we've, we've really kind of stuck into some really good topics here. And a lot of my questions you've already covered really, really well, but well, I, um, ha- I have to ask you though, man, I, because this is important because I don't know if you're, 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 you know, some, some of your friends, your peers, knew what happened at, at Texas because suddenly you, you dropped after round one. And this goes back to ownership, right? Because, you know, I want to bring it back to ownership. You were playing, you came, let's just, be, let's just be blunt. You flew from the UK to Texas. Love it or hate it, you flew to Texas. In the middle of summer, it's hot there to come roll dice. You got to play, you, you did your workshop class, which was awesome. People love that workshop. You had people driving across the country just to go to your workshop. They didn't even play the tournament. They just came to the workshop. Like literally people came for one night to go to, to your what? workshop, right? The best yeah. story, right, was somebody at the workshop said to me, I've just come for the workshop, Steve, but I actually yeah. wish now I'd bought a ticket because I feel ready to play. And I went, <laughs> well, let's get you a ticket then. And You've the next day, yeah. the next day I saw them playing in the tournament and they were loving it. They went like three and three or something. Yeah. For me, that was yeah, the best ever it. testimonial I could ever get. The workshop did exactly the thing that I wanted to do was mm-hmm. inspire people to play the game and make them feel comfortable at the tournament. And they did. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that was great. It, it was it, it, beautiful, beautiful, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And you know, uh, I love seeing this community, seeing a guy that has never gone to a tournament, go to your workshop and all of a sudden the next day, just I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Well, so the workshop was successful. You played one round and then I got bombarded with people asking what happened? Because you pulled yourself out after the first round of your tournament in, in, in Texas. Now, this all goes back into ownership. And I don't really feel comfortable sharing your story because uh, it's, 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 it's some personal matters. But the point is that you chose to pull yourself out because of some... Do you want to... How, how about you 
share what you yeah. feel comfortable sharing. Because I know people are curious. Well, let's be honest, Kicker. You also had people asking, had you had to kick me out because I cheated. So that's, yeah. that's uh, <laughs> no, I'm like, no, we did not need to kickbox out. That, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, so I don't, I don't, I don't like to share on. people's personal hey, situations. That, right? that would be yeah, a story. Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Box okay. beat the crap out of someone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, could happen. Who knows? Yeah, um, you could. You so, could happen. You could happen. What had happened? Let, let's. I had an amazing workshop. Right, I was exhausted from jet lag because I'd come. I'd flew to Canada. I flew back from Canada. I had two days at home and then I had to fly back out to Texas. So I was Wait, tired. you went from Canada back? To, I thought you went from Canada directly back down south to Texas. You no, went no, back no, to no. the UK and then you- Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's insane. Okay. Yeah. So I, I did 30, 33 hours of flying in, in eight days. So I was pretty jet lagged, pretty tired. My workshop went really well and I'm really anxious about the workshop. You know, it's the thing that I'm like the workshop, it's like the thing I can only think about. It's exhausting for me. Yeah. So the next day I had a, uh, we had a work thing happen early in the morning. Um, just to do with like video scheduling. It just wasn't up. There was an, a whole video issue that didn't happen in the morning that I was trying to resolve from the UK. Obviously there's a time zone difference and, uh, you know, that did tilt me. Absolutely. And then when yeah. I'm playing my first round, um, I'm playing a very hard matchup. Uh, it's thousand suns. Um, and straight away I was just saying to my opponent, like, Hey, this is gonna be a tough game for me. You've got a very good list here against me. Um, you know, he's like, well, why? And I was like, well, you can overwatch three times. He was like, I can do what? I was like, yeah, you can overwatch three times. I was like, no, I can't. It's once per, I was like, no, you can. And here's how you can overwatch three times. <laughs> And he was like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. I was like, well, you can. He was like, well, you shouldn't have told me. He was like, well, I did. You know, I want you to play the rules correctly uh, as yeah. they're written. Because um, regardless of whether I agree with that or not, personally, I want to see the right data so it can inform change with Games Workshop, right? So anyway, the data is everything. So I'm about five minutes into my game and I get a text message from my girlfriend and she's like, um, just so you know, um, she, was on, she was in holiday in Rhodes in Greece and was due to fly back that day. And she was like, uh, I'm due to get picked up with the bus soon, but they're evacuating every single town. There's been a national emergency because of the forest fires. The town next to us, like 15 minutes away is being evacuated right now. Uh, the bus then wouldn't let them on the bus because it was full. Um, and it was, a. and I said to my opponent, I said, Hey, look, I'm really sorry. Something's just come up, but I might have to take a few phone calls um, because obviously I'm trying to, um, talk to my girlfriend and say, look, you know, Hey, I'm really worried. I could feel myself getting really warm, really hot. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't focusing on my game. I was making mistakes. I wasn't friendly and chatty and laughy and everything else. Um, you know, I was in a situation where I was, yeah, just not being a great opponent because I was completely distracted. And mm -hmm. after the game, we, you know, we, dice were down, put the results in. And I said, look, I'm, I, I need to drop from the event because I've got another situation I need to take. And I came over to you and I was so apologetic and I felt so yeah. awful for dropping from the event because I love playing at the events. I love playing on stream. I love, you know, creating like a story about, you know, how I get on and posting on social media. So I felt awful about it, but I knew that it was the right thing to do because I couldn't carry on playing because I knew it'd be an, I would be an awful opponent 
like, oh, I played Steven and all he was just on his phone the whole time. Yeah. Like that's not great for anybody to experience. I want to be connected to my opponent. I want to make sure they have a great game. So that's why I dropped. Yeah. And I, and I still stand by it. It was the right thing for me to do. And, and, and absolutely, right? Because not only is your game going to not necessarily be enjoyable, but you've got players that may not be traveling from the UK, but you got people coming from around the country that want to have a good time. They're there on vacation. So if they were going to play you and not have the best time. So, so you did exactly what we're encouraging people to do at our events, which is take ownership, you know, whether it's because you play a rule incorrectly or because you've got some other things that are far more important than tabletop wargaming. You know, like we all love this game. It's a big part of our life. But it is not our life. Family, I think, I mean, for me, I can't speak for everyone and probably for you. Family co- comes first, right? Yeah. And, and, and those priorities, you know, it's, it's totally understandable. So, I, I, you know, I think you made the right move. And, and I'm, I'm happy that you're able to share your story a little bit more so that people know, yeah, this is actually what happened. Um, and then you, 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 you stepped away and you had a, an afternoon of, of not playing. And I know you impacted someone uh, tremendously and I, I really it gives me goosebumps talking about this because this player talked to me and, and 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 after your interaction with him do, do you feel comfortable ex- sharing how what, what you yeah. ended up doing that afternoon yeah, yeah it was because i certainly won't forget it that's for sure yeah yeah you 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 changed someone's life forever which was why don't you why don't you take it away and now for a word from our sponsor c studios they are the experts in providing professional miniature painting services ensuring your armies always look their best on the battlefield whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, C Studios can help bring your miniatures to life. Don't miss out on their quality craftsmanship. So I get approached by some, um, this gentleman. Um, yeah. I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning his name. Um, Larry, absolute legend. Yeah. And he came up to me during the workshop and he said, Stephen Box. I was like, yes. I was like, hi, what's your name? He went, oh, Larry. And I was like, Larry, great to meet you. And he said, I've got a question for you. I was like, yeah, what is it? He's like, what do you think of Kill Team? And I said, Larry, um, I would love to get into this with you, but right now I'm in the middle of my workshop. And he was like looking around like, oh no, I couldn't believe it. Like he was literally looked yeah. around, saw all the people and he was like, you're teaching okay, a cool. workshop, yeah. Um, anyway, so he, he comes back up to me. Uh, I think I'd, I'd grabbed a drink or something. Um, and I think by this time, Amy, uh, my girlfriend had managed to get on a plane and we got, our, we were, you know, it was a few hours later, whatever we, we, she was on her way home to England. So cool. Yeah. I could actually relax a bit out of the fire. Yeah. yeah literally. Yeah. And, um, yeah. he, he says to me, right, what do you think of kill team? And I said, I think it's a great game. I think it can be very competitive. Um, I think it's probably not given enough. Um, not enough people try it is kind of my, I think my thing, not enough people try it, but I think it's a really good game system. And then he's like, okay, cool, great. Um, and he said to me, he started to really open up about the things he likes about what I do and Vanguard tactics. Um, and then he started to share a very personal story. Um, and he said, can I buy you a drink? You know? And I said, look, you don't need to do that, Larry. And he said to me, um, I'm not a very well man. And he, he went into a bit more, and that's for him to share, not me, but he said, I'm not very well man. And I would love to buy you a, a drink. He said, it's happening. Um, so, uh, I said, right, well, I can't, I'm not going to stop you then. Am I? So yeah, for the next four hours, me and Larry, four hours, four hours yeah. We sat at the bar <laughs> in the, in the, in the hotel. And, um, I just said to Larry, I said, tell me a story. All I, I said, all I want to know is I want to know about you. Tell me a story. And he went into, um, how he joined the police force and he told me some really cool stories that I'll never forget. So, uh, yeah, for me, it was, uh, it was a great afternoon and I felt like, you know, I've met, I always say on the, on all the academy courses, everything we teach, the whole purpose of going to a tournament is to make a friend. 
And although I didn't mm. play six games, I made a friend. So for me, mission complete. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was really, uh, yeah. Larry is a, a local player to, to the state of Louisiana. I, I've run into him a few times and he has some health concerns and whatnot. And, and uh, we don't need to go into the, his personal details, but after that, he was just, you know, that made his weekend getting to hang out with you. You know, somebody that he's heard about, he's seen, but you know, he's, he's never been, you know, he's never seen you in person beforehand and getting to have a drink with you and actually spend four hours with you and get to talk with you. You, you made that for him. You, you made that event. So, so, you, you know, it's amazing how you, you may have to pull yourself out of playing a few games of the game you play every weekend, you know, might have step away from that to, to go really make an impact on someone's life. So, so, so thank you for that, Ben. Well, mate, it, like I said, it was, yeah, I didn't have the event I expected, but I had an amazing event. I achieved the goals I wanted to achieve, which was to do a great workshop, meet loads of people, make a friend. So for me, it was a success. Um, you know, and I, I, I got the messages you probably got. Oh, you, hmm? you lost the games you pulled out of an event, did you? <laughs> and like, Hang on, you didn't message me last week when I dropped from an event to help my girlfriend with her company when I was three and yeah. zero at a tournament. You didn't message me then when I dropped yeah. out. I just had to drop out because life and helping my girlfriend with her work or whatever situation it is. Or I got so much uh, stick in flack last year because I made one of Zach's events in Manchester. I made the top four, right? Made the top cut. Wow. And yeah. It's like six o'clock in the evening on a Sunday. I've got Ben, Jack and Michael in my car. It's a five hour drive back home for me. And I didn't want to keep them in my car until what could be 11 o'clock at night and get back <laughs> at 3 a.m. I was filming a preview battle report the next day that I couldn't even talk about because the codex was dropping the next, like we had to get it filmed the next day. And that was more important to me than playing in a top four. And you yeah, could yeah. see the comments like, oh, the guy runs an academy doesn't even prepare a hotel. You could have done it. I'm like, yeah, I could have, but I didn't because yeah. getting home safely with my friends is more important than whether I come fourth or fifth or I don't care. I don't care yeah. about my placing. I care about all the other things. And if that is a detriment of my academy course, or you think that's a reason for me not to help you with your gameplay, then that's absolutely fine because <laughs> like you, like you, you bring it back to ownership, right? If you feel that your behavior, your attitude, your demeanor, the way that you're playing the game, or even the list you've brought is not going to create a great environment for anybody else to play against, pull yourself out. If you yeah. realized you've been a meta chaser and you've downloaded the most broken, obnoxious list and you're creating terrible, terrible, terrible experiences Experience. for your opponent yeah. and you're not enjoying the games, then don't play them. Just yeah. go, hey. I should have probably tested this first because how many players, and, and I'm speaking to the audience now, right? I've, cause I've heard this a lot. I took a list and I didn't enjoy playing it. Yeah. I mean, it literally boggles my mind, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't, but they do it for these ITC points or the kudos yeah. or the, but you hated every game. Yeah. Like you're here you to have fun. <laughs> yeah. I like, I see some of these like top players and I'm watching them play and I'm thinking, you literally look like sticking needles in your eyes would be more fun right now than whatever yeah. you're doing because it doesn't look cool. It doesn't look fun. So um, I think we need to bring a little bit of that back is the ownership of, am I creating a great environment for me and my opponent? And, and it's okay guys to mess up a rule and own up to it. You know, yeah. it's okay to realize you're not, you, you've got priorities that are taking you away from the game. Guys, 
we, we, the, the lesson from today, today's episode, you know, take ownership. It's okay. It's okay. And it makes you a better person, makes you a better opponent and, and keeps the community moving forward in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's a great note to end on, Kicker, and you've been <laughs> awesome to chat to. Um, Kicker, when, when's the next event? What, what have you got coming uh, up next? Well, we have SoCal coming up in the end of October. That's in San Diego. And then, of course, the big LVO. LVO is basically sold out, but you know, sign up to be notified every time we have some returns or if I'm able to add some more tables to the room, we'll add tickets in there. Uh, 40K Champs is, is, is massive. It's absolutely massive. But so is the 40K Narrative. And, and maybe you're there just to have fun, play the 40K Friendly. All these are amazing events. Uh, and, and like I said, sign up to be notified as tickets become uh, available. So the LVO will be taking place in January in Las Vegas at the Rio. And it is not one to miss. And of course, we'll have the Vanguard Tactics Workshop again for the, yeah. <laughs> for the, yeah, so, so for the third year now, right? Yeah, sign up for an event, sign up. There's classes, painting classes. You could yeah. literally just do a whole weekend of classes, right? Or the workshops. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've really grown the convention side of LVO. So bring your spouses, bring your friends that don't really play much, you know. And even if you've got friends that play, say Battletech, there's a Battletech tournament. There is literally something for everyone. So, so yeah. I hope to see you guys there. Yeah, I love it. Well, look, I'm, I'm still, if I can, I'll sneak on a fly and get out to SoCal. So uh, yeah. yeah, save me a ticket because you never know, I might <laughs> rock know up you know and then drop round Good. one after I've lost, obviously. <laughs> but then, or but I've, then you're on the beach. You can go enjoy the California yeah. beach. So it's okay. <laughs> I'll go and play beach volleyball, actually, because that's a... Uh, it's happening yeah right anyway kicker thanks so much mate and we'll catch up soon thanks guys definitely bye ladies and gentlemen thank you for giving us your time and attention as always i hope this break from index reviews was enjoyed and appreciated the blade Digital's index review should be coming up next and i've got chaos demons on the horizon as well and beyond that the adventure only continues so until then this is dave colmo for kicker steven box and all of vanguard tactics saying it's a dangerous business going out your door step onto the road and if you don't keep your feet there's no knowing where you might be swept off to have a great adventure this week take care